0: and how to register my name is Reverend Rachel Harrison and this is the recover your soul podcast a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media, and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect for an extra episode each week. And to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Welcome back to recover your soul. I'm so always so grateful that you're here spending your time with me today. So when I was thinking about what did I want to talk about today, you know, generally what I talk about is just stuff that is going on in my life or coming up for me personally, or that I am helping somebody else with that seems like a really good thing to share with everybody else that's part of the soul recovery journey. And I have been so impacted and so influenced lately with the lessons that are coming from this fire in Louisville and with my mom losing her home and moving forward and, and just the incredible strength that I'm seeing in the experience that I am really been thinking a lot about control. You know, we talk about control here a lot in Soul Recovery And this need that we have as human beings to have certainty. We want to have certainty in our relationships. We want to have certainty in our lives. We want to have certainty of what's coming next. And part of the story with my mom was that walk that we had around her neighborhood four months ago where she said, I know that you really count on this house as your retirement and you can't count on it. And at that moment, Even in that moment four months ago, which is down the road of my soul recovery journey, I was counting on certainty. I was wanting something that I could hold on to tightly that gave me safety. Knowing that I would inherit, potentially inherit this house, helped me feel like I was going to be okay because Both Rich and I have been hard workers our whole life, but we don't have a huge amount of money saved up. We still have to work really hard every month, every day to get ahead, to pay our bills, to to be in this middle class life that we are so grateful for. And what I realized is I did have that part of me that wanted the certainty, the knowledge, the thing that I could kind of hold on to that would allow me to rest inside. And we talk a lot here about the discomfort that comes from relationships, the discomfort that comes from not being sure, the discomfort from fear of the unknown, of what we are wanting to be sure of. And since that has gone from me, this certainty that I Was holding on to in this dwelling that no longer exists. And the freedom that I feel from my soul recovery to know that I'm still okay. And that it's given me even more opportunity to really be aware of the fact that I can trust that I'm going to be okay. I can trust that I'm being led and directed in the right place. I can trust that if I am in my spiritual foundation, that the circumstances on the outside or these conditions that I want certainty for, I can let go of. And it comes in so many different areas. And I've been thinking a lot about relationship because relationships in our life are really where we put so much of our emphasis on wanting that certainty. We want to trust and know that the people in our lives, especially our romantic relationships are going to behave in a certain way that's comfortable for us that we want them to be a certain way that's comfortable for us and what i learned in al-anon and in working in codependency is we give our power away when we are putting all of our emphasis on somebody else's behavior to make us be okay And the more that we give our power away, the more that we put an emphasis on somebody else's behavior, the more we lose ourselves. The more that we lose our perspective, the more that we lose our mental health, the more that we lose our soul, the more we lose the ability to be okay and to trust and know that everything's working out because all we want is to control somebody else's behavior. We want somebody else to be for us what we want them to be. And I would say that one of the most impactful things in my soul recovery has been working on that. The other day, I was talking to a couple friends, and after I had had those conversations, my husband asked me, Do you feel energized or depleted after those conversations? And I said, I feel energized. I feel energized after I talk to or work with people or just hold space for them because I have let go of the feeling that I used to have that I personally was responsible to make something happen for them, to fix somebody else. We can't fix or make anybody else be or do anything other than who they are and what they want to do. And it doesn't mean that I don't have a desire of what I would love to see for somebody, especially when I'm talking to my kids. But I've learned over this time that I can offer experience, strength and hope when they ask for it. And they luckily do ask for it. But I am not holding tightly to how that is going to ultimately end up for them. And that there will be some sort of result from it that is the result that I personally want. And that extends out into every relationship that I have that the more that I am willing to look at my desire for certainty, that I can count on the fact that my husband will behave in a certain way, that my coworkers will behave in a certain way, that my friends will behave in a certain way. The more I let go of that, the more freedom I'm feeling inside. The more allowance I have of trusting That the process is working out, and that I can't actually see the beauty of what's in front of me or the greatness that's being laid out for me because I had this narrow path of how I wanted it to go. But we can be in relationships with people, and things can be happening that feel really out of control. That's part of the recovery from Al Anon that we can have people in our lives who are alcoholics. We can have people in our lives who have other addictive behaviors or are abusing other substances and their lives are really out of control and we love them so much and we want to be involved in their life. We we want them to change. And so a lot of our attention turns to those behaviors that they have, whether they're sneaking something, whether they're not telling the whole truth whether their interactions with other people are uncomfortable for you whether your interactions with them don't provide for you that depth of connection and intimacy and relationship strength certainty that you want and so we can get really attached to wanting somebody else to behave a certain way and the more that we get attached to that the more we personally suffer. So the work that happens in the rooms of recovery, which is so profound to be able to let go and to look at, is really to come back to ourselves and to remember that we can have a preference of how we would like the people in our lives to be. And we can have boundaries of what's acceptable behavior or not having someone lie to you or be deceitful or or manipulate you or use you in some way is not healthy behavior. We don't lay down and allow that to happen. But we turn the attention to ourselves and look even more closely at what is going on for us internally that is being triggered, that wants a certain type of behavior, that needs a certain type of connection with somebody that wants some sort of approval that wants to feel safe and can we turn that attention to ourselves and find those places in ourselves where we say oh that is really coming back and hitting things that happened to me in my childhood in a past episode i talked about how in recovery i had started to really allow memories and feelings to come up. I don't think and remember in exact stories and exact situations. I think and remember in feelings. And I have examples of one of my best friends from high school. She can remember every single thing that happened, every single detail, every single person's name. I couldn't tell you any of those stories. Once she starts to tell the story, It's as if I get re-immersed into a movie that I watched before, but I couldn't recall the movie on my own, but I could tell you how I felt at that period of my life. And so I went back and was allowing myself to re-engage in some of those memories. And the memories that came up for me were about abandonment and about not being popular, and about friends really rejecting me and the depth of sadness and loneliness and emptiness and worthlessness that that felt like for me. And once I was able to touch that, I could see that so much of the relationships that I had with people came from this place of wanting that to heal, wanting that to be reevaluated and wanting to not feel those feelings that I had as a child. So, approval, pleasing people, wanting people to like me, being in relationships with people that were fun and exciting, which is interestingly enough, generally alcoholics. I was always pretty low key and not very good at stuff. So, this part of me that when I found rich, He was full of energy. He was sparkly. He was magnificent in his ability to do everything. He was great at sports. He was great at art. He was great connecting with people. He was gorgeous. He was super sexy. That appealed to me. But what also appealed to me was the high energy that often comes from an alcoholic. I liked that. But if I mirror that back to this part of me that wanted to be part of something bigger than what I felt my life was as a child, I can see that that's why I was drawn to that type of person. He was not my first alcoholic boyfriend. As a matter of fact, they all were. So that's a reflection of me and something that I'm drawing to myself because I need to learn about it. I don't think that everything happens to us for a reason, personally. And again, anything that I say in my podcast comes from my own mind. Take what you want and leave the rest. I am not trying to proselytize any one way of thinking or believing. As a matter of fact, I think it's incredibly important that you think and feel and believe what is right for you. And you discern the pieces that you want to hear and take in. And don't think that this is quote-unquote truth my personal belief is life comes at us and we can decide whether we're going to take the curriculum of life that we can see this lifetime as an opportunity for our spirit our soul to grow and change and develop or we can see it as a pain or as suffering or as a way that isn't good, that we just feel like life is just hitting us again and again and again. So things happen, like my mom's house burns down. Do I think that that was a lesson in her life? No, absolutely not. I don't think that was some grand plan of God to teach these thousand homes that were lost. No, I don't think that's what happened. But I think life is complicated. I think life Is messy, life is difficult, life is beautiful, life is full of unknowns. And so that certainty that I was talking about, where we feel like we want to attach to something so that we can feel sure, makes that complexity and messiness of life complicated and difficult. But when we transition that thought process and say, I'm interested in the curriculum of my life. I'm interested in looking at not what's happening to me, but for me, not what's happening in the relationships around me that are annoying me, but how can I turn this attention to myself and release the need to control and know and have certainty in my life? Can I be uncomfortable? Can I be okay? even if the circumstances in my life around me don't feel okay? Can I allow other people to learn their lessons too? I think it's interesting that I've been totally like this, where I feel like I'm learning, but I want other people to behave and not push my buttons. I want them to sort of be more healed and better than I am. And then I think, well, why would that be the case? If we're all growing and we're all changing and we're all learning, why am I expecting other people to show up different than me? Can I give somebody the grace to know that they're learning, that they're hurting, that they're coming from their own perspective, they're coming from their own suffering, that they're learning and growing too? And when I do that, I have so much more compassion for somebody else, especially people who are really suffering from addiction. I was talking to Alex yesterday, who's my oldest son, and he and Bodhi, my youngest son, they are attempting to begin their path of recovery. And of course, I am excited for them. I wish that I hadn't waited until I was in my 40s to really become clean and sober. But I recognize that this is their journey. I recognize that I have a desire for them to learn how to live a life that is drug and alcohol free. That's free of the addictions that are obsessive and hold us down but I have real clarity over the understanding that they have to do this on their own and that I can model a certain amount of behavior, but I've only been modeling it for four years. They are 23 and 25 years old. So for most of their lifetime, I've been dabbling in and out of my alcoholism and I've just really taken hold of it. And so when talking to Alex last night, he was saying how good he feels, that he started going to the gym, that he's making better choices about what he eats. He's making better choices of how he treats himself and how good it feels. And I thought, you know, it's just like when you're drowning in sorrow. And that's how I felt. I felt when I was using, and at the end, like I was drowning and I could barely keep my head up and I would get a gulp of air and then I would come down and I would be drowning. And the rocks in my pockets that were keeping me from being able to be buoyant were alcohol, control, and the need to be comfortable, (laughs) the need to have the people around me behave in the way that felt more comfortable to me, the certainty, these substances that I was using that I thought would give me relief were really these heavy rocks holding me down and not allowing me to come up and get air and now that I've been doing recovery work and doing 12-step work and doing this really hard deep dive into looking at me exclusively and not everybody else around me the rocks have come out of my pockets and I am not only not drowning I'm thriving What I thought was helping, what I thought I was doing that was controlling something to make it better for me was killing me. And so when we are interacting with other people, even if you don't have a substance problem, our desire for other people's lives to be a certain way for us to be comfortable, to be happy, to feel secure, to have certainty are like heavy rocks holding us under the water. But it's really hard to imagine letting that go. It's really hard to think, well, if I'm not really keeping an eye on it, or if I'm not reminding them all the time of what changes they need to make, or if I'm not watching over every step that they make, I'm going to get hurt. And you might get hurt. But you're hurting already. You're hurting deeply already by drowning in the fear. So if we do this work of keeping the attention on ourselves, looking inside at what does that fear come from? What am I supposed to learn from this? What can I learn from this? Not even what am I supposed to learn? What can I learn from this that's going to help me be able to lessen that heaviness that is keeping me down, that's drowning me? And it's just one day at a time it's just one step at a time and in the 12 step we talk about just step one just recognizing that we're powerless that we feel like our life is unmanageable accepting that that's true that's an incredibly powerful step to start to let go of the control the need to control the desire to control And other people in your life need to be doing their work too, but we can't force them to do the work in the way that we want them to. And so often, if we step back and we look at the situation, and especially in situations where we want to be in, can you love somebody enough to let them find their own way? And can you love yourself enough to put yourself first? And not need the certainty in that relationship or for that person to let the process happen. And sometimes those processes will deepen your relationship and you will be an inspiration and a light that somebody else sees and says, I want more of what you have. I see that you're happier. I see that you're more fulfilled. I see you're more relaxed. I see you are not as agitated. I'm interested in what that is and I want more of that. And you learn to grow and to expand and to heal together when some people aren't ready. And then you make a decision on your own whether you can be with that whether you can allow that process in another person as you yourself are expanding and growing, or whether you need to not be in that relationship. Only you know the answer to those questions. And each person's life and each person's relationships are uniquely different. And there is no model that says, if this is happening, you do this. If this is happening, you do that. But the more that we put the attention on ourselves, the more that we lean into our higher power, the more that we stop obsessing over somebody else's behavior, the more we can be free, the more we stop drowning, the more we thrive. And I want you to thrive. It's a real example to watch my mom, who moved into her new apartment yesterday, a woman who had everything, if you listen to last week's podcast. And now, has minimal stuff. And you know what? She's okay. And I think grief will continue to have its way with her and it will have waves and she will miss that old life. But there's a letting go of the certainty that is opening up to a new, expansive, incredible way for her to live. And that watching her do that And for me to actually be okay during this process too and to not need to fix her reminded me that this work is valuable and it's worth it and it's working. So take a look at that certainty, the desire for certainty. How is that landing in your life? Can you be open to the flow? Can you let go of the need to have it all be exactly how you think you want it to be? And trust and know that everything is working out for you, even when it doesn't feel like it. Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening. And I hope this episode offered you tools, guidance, and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. If you'd like some support and encouragement with your soul recovery, book a coaching session with me. When you're ready for change, it's amazing what can be done in just a few sessions. There's never any long-term commitment. This is your personal journey, and I'm just here to be a guide and assist you in connecting with your fullest and happiest self. Visit the website, recoveryoursoul.net where you can find more about me, Rev. Rachel, book your spiritual coaching sessions, subscribe to receive email updates, and even listen to some of my original music. We thank you for supporting the production of this podcast by donating on the homepage or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or becoming a Patreon member. When you become a member or a subscriber, you're going to receive an extra bonus episode each week, and your support is really appreciated. By following, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. We hope that you will follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and even join the private Facebook group to become part of our transformational community. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul.